Hi, welcome to the For the Love of Film podcast. I am your host, Scott David Chase. This is the first episode for 2021, which would make this the fifth season. Um, I know I haven't posted a lot of new episodes in the last six months, mainly because I haven't, you know, been able to get to the theater because the theaters around me haven't been open. I think in most places they haven't been open, and... You know, as I've said in previous episodes that I, I really hope to do more, um, I just haven't, you know, I've been watching a lot of older movies. Um, I think each of us during this strange and unprecedented time, this pandemic, are kind of doing different things to kind of um, keep our mental well-being um, in check and um, I've been revisiting a lot of old movies, and I don't know, uh, you know, I haven't really thought about diving deep into reviewing films I've seen before, but, uh, you know, I'm still watching movies all the time, because movies is one of my passion, but uh, it's it's a lot of old favorites, and revisiting a lot of stuff from my childhood that I loved, some of it I really enjoy, some of it is, you know, hasn't stood the test of time as well as one would hope, but that's okay. But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to when I could see new movies on a regular basis and, you know, having some sort of normalcy as all of us are. But, uh, yeah, we'll kind of see how this year unfolds. Um, this is the, the, the best of 2020, uh, or our top 10 picks of 2020 that me and my friend Bob Scammon, uh, sat and talked. Um, and it was, you know, as we said, say in this conversation, it was tough to kind of pick just because, um, a good chunk of the year, we were not seeing new movies a lot. Bob saw a lot more movies in the theater than I did, but uh, yeah, it was really tough for me to come up with my top ten, but uh, you know, it's always good to talk movies with Bob, and uh, hope you enjoy this conversation. So, uh, yeah, this is the For the Love of Film podcast. The it's a, It'll be the first episode for 2021, but it's the final, like the, the top ten. Top ten. Bottom, top ten and bottom. I actually, it's funny. I said only you one. Ha- you have to have more than one. Well, I have, I, I have like one that was terrible and three that are uh, unwatchable. Well, they're they're watchable. They're just not. I mean, I watched them, so by that very nature, they are watchable. Um, but yeah, so uh, this is me, Scott Chase, and I'm joined by Bob Scammon. This is the first time in like I think three years where Greg has not joined us. Greg Gaskell. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of people asked about it. So it is Bob and I, and we were just before we were recording, we were talking about putting the list together. Cause normally, I mean, you're obviously, you're way more organized than I am yeah. anyways. But, um, I mean, I use letterbox. Mm-hmm. It's the only, because of the amount that I do, mm-hmm. it's the only way I can really keep track. Sure. There was one, there's one on my top 10 that yeah. I completely forgot about. And as I was going through, I was like, Oh yeah, that is. Oh Yeah. There was, it was interesting because, so I'll say, first of all, there was one movie that, by my own rules, really should be on my top ten, and it would definitely be in the top ten. Yeah. And, and by my own rules, I mean that, so it was released Christmas Day in 2019. I did not see it until mid-January of 2020. Seven, nine, 1917. Yeah, which... Um, Yes, it's technically a 2019 film, but I, I don't know. I just feel like anything that's not anything that's either not in in major in you know wide release yeah. or 
for me, I was thinking about like the. I think December twentieth is the cutoff date for me. If there's less than a week left in the year, yeah, then that, I'm just like it's usually too close to call because like. I typically will go see a movie on Christmas Day. Yeah. I didn't this year, obviously, because there's not that many theaters open. Um, By you, I think there's only one. Cinemagic, yeah. yeah. Um, is O'Neill open right now or no? No, but they are doing that thing where you can rent out right, yeah, for private shows. Cause, yeah, some friends of mine had talked. It's so funny. Some friends of mine had talked about doing it, did it for Wonder Woman and, yeah. and another movie as well, but they didn't communicate that well with their friends, so they rented out two different theaters on the same day. However, <laughs> there was enough of a time difference that they, they were able to get them to push it back, the second one back, like 20 yeah. minutes. So they saw Wonder Woman. I forget what the other thing, but I, it's it, she says it's not cheap to do it. No, it's like 100 bucks. And But it was funny because one of the first weeks I went, I heard about it, I was actually in the theater, and I was, I was just thinking, like, who really does that? Because for me, it doesn't make sense. Because right. I... I don't know that many people. How many people can you invite? Do you know? I think it's like as many as you want, like to fill the theater. Right. And it's not per person. Right. So when I was at the, wasn't it was the Londonary AMC, there was a group of probably 20 people in front of us. Yeah. And from them ordering their concessions and everything. Yeah. It's like, oh, they, they did the rental. So, like, one couple did the rental, but then the, everybody else just bought the food for everybody. Right. But there was, like, 20, and I, I don't know what movie it was, but it was all, like, it was pretty much for a kid's movie. Sure. And I was like, that kind of makes sense, because you're going to spend that kind of money anyways, and if you get three or four families together... Yeah, it's cheaper. Maybe yeah. it makes sense. I mean, they were griping, because right now nothing's refillable. Right. Because of everything. Right. So... The guy in front of me was like, so it's going to be another $6 to refill this if I drink it all? And she's like, yep. Yeah. That's where they're getting some of their money, though. Well, I'm so. pretty sure. Yeah, well, and that's pretty much the only place they're making any money. So. Yeah. And I and I genuinely feel for the, th- particularly theaters like O'Neill, which is, you know, a small, I mean, I think they only have two locations. Yeah. Um, is it two or three? It's the, the ones I, like... The music hall, not so much because they have other stuff going. Right. But Red River, yeah, and they they haven't even like considered reopening. Yeah. Like those are the ones I worry about. Well, especially because I think most. I mean, because whenever we've gone to see movies at Red River, like we're usually at least fifteen years younger than yeah. the next old. It's it's all like people in their sixties and seventies. Yeah. Um, their patrons are what keeps that alive, and right now they're doing patron runs and stuff. Yeah. But the nice thing that they do, too, is the same thing with, like, Coolidge, is they do virtual screenings. Yeah. So you can be, you go to their website, you pick a movie, you, you rent it, and then some of the proceeds go to the theater and then wherever the other ones go sure. to. Sure. And they, they do, like, virtually op- virtual openings every week, too. Yeah. So it's always, like, a rotating one. I got gotcha. you. I was surprised when I... Went down to Cambridge uh, to get my tattoo that, and I and I looked into it the day before, but like Somerville Theater was closed, which I was, I mean, because that's an independent movie theater yeah. too, and I was just like, God damn, those are the ones that I'm more worried about. Like, yeah, I go to Regal all the time. I have no particular love for yeah. the company of Regal, so and it's convenience. It's con- yeah, it's yeah. convenient, and um, but I'm not like, you know, if Regal if Regal doesn't reopen. It'll be inconvenient for me, but also with that space and with 
with it set up, I guarantee you some other theater will buy yeah, it. Another chain will buy it. Yeah, another, either yeah. a chain or, or, you know, maybe an independent. Yeah. That place is way too big for an independent. Yeah, I mean, thing. it could be something yeah. like. Because uh, there's definitely been like places in the Midwest that have seen a bunch that churches end up using oh, yeah, yeah. because of the, the stadium seating and everything. O'Neill does that. Like, um, I think it's like Next Level Church or something. Yeah. On. I think it's set. I, I don't know which day it is, but sometimes I, I used to go in there yeah. and they would be actually coming out as I was going yeah. in and they had a big congregation. Well, my mom goes to the next level that's in, uh, I don't remember Stratton. if it's Portsmouth or Newington, oh, okay. but it's, it used to be a car dealership. Yeah. Uh, but, and then there's one in Concord that a friend of mine's the worship leader there for. Um, so, and, but I know that sometimes when, because it's weird because some of them have full-time pastors and then some of them rotate. Yeah. And sometimes if you, this is obviously pre COVID, uh, sometimes you show up and they just pull a screen down and it'd be a, like a satellite broadcast from one of the other yeah. ones. So I'm sure that's what they're doing at the theater. Yeah. So that's one of the cats lurking. No, I was my phone. I was seeing where it was. Oh, do you want to go grab it? Yeah. yeah. I'll go grab it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see, I mean, you know, everything else in the world, obviously it'll be interesting to see how it's affected, but, um, movie theaters, obviously it's gonna, you know, it'll, it'll, it's, everything's kind of up in the air as far as like who's going to be able to open. Cause even, even I think if you, let's say the herd vaccination, like enough people do do it. And let's say it takes six months to do that. It's not like six months and a week later, everything goes back to normal. No. So, I mean, I I was just saying to someone, uh, oh, yeah, I was talking to Dawn today because her and her daughter were shopping at the mall, you know, talking about Dune. That was the thing that I was looking yeah. forward to. And I was like, it's supposed to be October. And I was like, honestly, I'm, I'm a little skeptical even if that is going to open then. Um, I think that will because they're doing that with HBO Max as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how Wonder I mean Wonder Woman brought in not huge crowds, but there were still decent crowds at the Wonder Woman showing I went to. Did you see it at AMC? Mm-hmm. And see I that's the one thing I'm I'm planning on seeing it on Wednesday. Yeah. Um I haven't seen it, but based on all the stuff I'm reading online, I was pretty confident it wasn't gonna be in my top ten even even in this year. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't even consideration. And it was one of those things too that I was just like, I hate that that's the movie I'm most looking forward to seeing right now. Yeah. Because and, and that was the thing too, is just making this list. Um it's normally pretty hard for me to narrow it down. Yeah. Also because like I'd say like at least sixty percent of my list is usually from the last two months of the year where this was the other way and it was almost all of it was all from the it. beginning of the year. Yeah. Most of the new stuff that I saw was crap and most of it was like, I saw a lot of Redbox stuff. Yeah, and, and that stuff's never... I did... One of the films on my list was a Redbox rental that um, I only had like a passing knowledge of and it was, I literally had a free rental from Redbox yeah. and I was like, and I had looked at it probably five or six times looking through Redbox and I was like, I'll get it. And it was, it, it surprised me. And it, it was one of those ones, to, and it was 100% the cast, but halfway through, I'm like, 
think I hate this movie, but I stuck it out yeah. and um, ended up making my list. I mean, it's, I, I mean, I'm looking at my list right now and it's number 10, but it's still yeah. made the list. Um, I have a feeling, do you have a prediction on how much overlap we're going to have in our top 10? I think there's only one, because I think there's only one movie that we've seen that we've both seen on here. Maybe two. My, my, I'm, I'm guessing three possibly. Yeah. Um, I know it's definitely at least one. Yeah. Um, I think our bottoms actually, no, your, our bottoms aren't. So let's do, do we want to do the bottoms first or we can do, we can like split up. We could do the, the 10, nine, eight, seven, six, then do the bottoms and then do the top five. However you want to do it. I, I think getting the bottoms out of the way is I don't rank. I didn't rank the bottom. Yeah, 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 me year. neither. Me neither. I had six of them. Yeah. And the, I was thinking about it as I was doing my list. I think about every month you would you would tweet or like you would say something. You're like, I just saw the worst movie I ever saw. Well, <laughs> I had this conversation. Well, I think I said one of the worst movies because yeah. I still stand by the fact that Jexy, which I saw last, last year, year yeah. is the worst film I've ever seen. And it it usurped Ghost Rider, which had been... The, I thought it was Rules of a... Tr- no, what was that Warren Beatty one? Like that one was... Oh, that! Oh, what the fuck was that called? Yeah. Um, rules don't apply, or yeah. something like that. That was that was definitely in the top five. And I'd love to once you know we get you know Greg back in. I we had talked about doing like all time. all all time because um, someone asked me the other day they're like what what's your ten worst films of all time? I know my my one. Yeah, I, the there's one and it's it's one that probably nobody's heard of. It's called Police Adjective. It is about two hours long with nothing going on, mm-hmm. and it got such rave reviews that year that I was like, "All right, I really have." And I, it was, it was really hard to watch. I mean, I sat through Andy Warhol's uh, Empire State, but that's not. I mean, that's that's. I mean, that's an experimental film. That's not a yeah. real film. Um, I saw it at the music hall probably twenty years ago. Did the plane pass by? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh have have you seen it or no. I mean and I, even for you who is very much it's it's like there's no reason to sit to I want to say it's like eleven hours long and it was just you know and and yeah. I was in the theater for it I was certainly not engaged yeah um you know it's just it's a still shot in real time of yeah. the Empire State Building so the ones that I don't is um Matthew Barney does films mm-hmm. and they're not like i don't think they ever get wide release they're considered art pieces right and they never hit anybody's i don't think they've ever hit any top tens i've done like his are the closest i get to walking out of stuff mm-hmm. but I, I went to the guggenheim with a friend years ago when he had the exhibit down there and i watched all of the ones that they were playing and it was like it, it was hard to sit through sure but those are actually movies right but they're not yeah i couldn't watch a single shot yeah it's yeah, it was a lot. I don't even know if I could fast through, like fast forward. That. Yeah, um, most of my, I'll have you go first. Yeah, why don't you go first with your your bottom ones? All right, so I have what is it six? Yeah, yeah you can just do them all. I bottom six. I think Doolittle was that was that was rough. Yeah, that was really rough. I love Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. He should never have done this. That was an awful film. Yeah, it was really bad. Um, the next one was Fantasy Island. I knew going in that it was going to be horrible, 
See, that wasn't quite as bad as I thought it was going to be. I mean, it, it was yeah. not good by any means, but it was not quite as because I was expecting it to be terrible, and it was yeah. just pretty bad. It's it's like Bloomhouse either does really good or really bad, right? There's really not in between, and that I, much. It, and like Bloomhouse, it's really like I say they have about a seven percent success rate, um, but the seven percent are usually really great. Yeah, that's the thing is yeah. when they hit it, they yeah. hit it really well. I didn't realize like they started with Paranormal Activity, which is one of my favorite like recent mm-hmm. ones. Um, I think I've only seen the first two of those. Like the first one was great, and then the second one, I was like, ah, okay, this is oh, just going to keep get. going forever. Yeah, um, yeah, that one. the The sick thing is though is they have an uncut version of Fantasy Island yeah. that I still sit on the fence. Like, I wonder if I'm I like, should. What? <laughs> wonder if this is a masterpiece? It's, no, it's not. It's not. Yeah. Uh, the next one you probably never heard of is Brahms the Boy Two. I have I, I I've seen it uh, in I've seen it in Redbox a lot because yeah. I almost rented it a couple times and it's not good. No, the the first one was pretty good because yeah. it has kind of like a twist to it. Mm-hmm. The second one is just it's worse. It's mm-hmm. way worse. And I think it has Katie um, Holmes in it too. And mm-hmm. She hasn't been in a lot of stuff, so I was like maybe yeah, right. it's really bad. Um, my next one's My Valentine. Um, there's a Hulu like series, like horror series that's on there. This is one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically about a girl singer mm-hmm. that her her whole identity gets stolen by somebody that's like her twin. Yeah, it was like a body double, and it, it, it's just it's really mm-hmm. really bad. Yeah, um, I'm gonna save that one for the last. Uh, Shortcut is another. It's a it's a foreign horror movie that's like it seemed like a student film. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be good, but this one was just like it has to do with like um, creatures that don't like the dark. No, like don't like the light, and they get stuck in this weird tunnel, and they have to. Oh, it's pitch black. Yeah, no, Which I it's, just rewatched the <laughs> other day. And then this is probably the worst. Is Jesus Rolls. That's the that's the kind of but not really sequel to the Big Lebowski. Yeah, but so, but the Coen brothers were not involved with it. No, they just allowed him to use the character. Right, and I was like, it could be okay. Well, five minutes in, I was like, this is not okay. Well, and that's the thing too. As much as like, I mean, and I forgot about it after like I heard that it was coming out. Yeah, but I was like, that's a fun character for for it's he he's great in that character. But, but not, that's it can't carry a movie. No. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that come in and out of it. Like um, the girl that plays Amelie is in it. Yeah. Um, Bobby Calavalli or whatever. Cannavale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in it. Like it's a pretty. He's in a lot of dog shit though. He is. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of good people in the cast. And I was like, they keep popping up. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. This isn't helping. Yeah. 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 Was that that was your last one? Yeah. That's six. All right. So. I, I've got five, but of my five, four of them were, no, well, three of them are disappointments, ones that I was like, oh, I, I'm looking forward to it, and then just let me down. Two yeah. of them, but so, probably the, probably the biggest disappointment was Capone, actually, which, because uh, I really like Tom Hardy, and yeah. it was just, uh, and normally, even when he's in stuff that's not great, he's good in that, and it's just... It's a you can't understand him for most of it, no. and it's and it's Al Capone 
in the last like I don't know six months of his life when he's like, like that, yeah. uh, he, he's you know going he, he's lost in dementia and he keeps shitting himself yep. and like it's just I was like wh- why did this get made I don't understand it either yeah um, it was awful um, New Mutants which was basically much ado about nothing it get it kept getting <laughs> pushed back for. Literally years, and then it was yeah. supposed to. Open. And the, I mean, the best thing about that movie was the fact that they finally released it. Well, that they had a sense of humor about it because, like, I don't know if you saw the last lobby poster. It had all the dates that was supposed to come out crossed out, and then it was like opening in uh, July. Fingers crossed, and it even <laughs> says fingers crossed in it. Um, and that, that was like the hunt. The best movie that you nobody saw. Yeah, and then yeah. I saw it, and I was like, "Who gives a shit?" Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. Um, another one, and this is the thing with the New Mutants, though, is yeah. like I thought. I think it was this movie. Like there was supposed to be a, a horror supernatural, right. like with X Men or like super. Right. And I kept watching it, and I was like. This is that movie, but it, this is not the movie I it's, want. Yeah, it's not scary. And there, there, there is a rumor that there's a director's cut, because, but because it did so badly, I don't think they're going to release it. And it was interesting because when it got released on home video initially, it got retitled much like Dark Phoenix. It's retitled as um, X-Men, The New Mutants, which is weird because there's no <laughs> X-Men in it. Yeah. I mean, it was technically... It's technically it's the, the, it's the last 20th Century Fox... Mutants film, yeah, um, and it was funny because you know a year ago they're like, we're hoping this gets folded into the MCU, and and Marvel's like, nah, no, no, nah, we're no. good. <laughs> um, uh, another one that was pretty disappointing, and I've had some arguments with people. Well, not really arguments, but um, was the the Borat two? I mean, I forget what the actual title is, but who gives a shit? Um, I think. It's Borat subsequent subsequent movie film. Yeah, yeah, it's Uh, shorter than the original Borat title. Yeah, but and my my biggest thing for that, and it's funny because I haven't done an episode for this in several months just because theaters have been closed. Yeah, and I I I don't think you've done it since Regal's closed. Yeah, and I kept thinking about. I was like, I should just do a list of all the stuff I've talked about, but I was like. Nothing has excited me. It's all been like, meh, movies. And that was one of those ones that when I heard that it was coming out, I was like, who asked for this? But the biggest thing that why Borat, the first film, worked is... Nobody knew who he was. Nobody knew who he was, but his interactions with people kind of getting them to reveal themselves about themselves. Yeah. But so... Anytime he interacts with people in this, it's not as the it's Borat as another character because he's so well known. Yeah, so it's everybody knows who yeah. he is already. But then yeah. there's so much, and it's why the Between the Two Ferns film didn't work either. Is there's so much story in between those things that I just don't give a shit about. Yeah. Like this whole story with him and his daughter, where they eventually like, make, I'm like, they're not real people. I don't care. I yeah. don't need character development with Borat. The only thing that's good about I do love the daughter in that. Like she is. Oh really? She drove me nuts. <laughs> she's the only thing that like kind of makes it yeah. watchable. Yeah. And I felt bad because Mary had never seen the original Borat, so uh, we watched that one and this one back to back, and I was like, yeah, that's not good. Well, and so many people are like, I can't believe the stuff that those people at that rally said. I'm like, really? Have you not watched the news in the last twelve months? Like when. Rewatching the original Borat, it's, yeah. it is really 
it's not as bad as unfortunately it doesn't hit as hard anymore. No, of course not. Cause it's, yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing with, that's the thing with comedy in general, but comedy that's like so much like shock comedy that has an element of reality to it. It's yeah. just like, I mean, I haven't watched any of the jackass stuff in a while, but I'm sure that that's going to seem tame at this point too. Yeah. Well, I was a class action. Action Park came out this year, which yeah, yeah, is yeah. basically like a jackass thing with a But it's like a sort of scripted. Yeah, it is yeah. scripted, but but all stunts are real. Are, yeah. yeah. So that's the closest one and it's and it's like it's kind of what was better was the documentary yeah. about that park. Yeah. And then going back and seeing the movie it's like holy crap they actually did some of that stuff. Right. So um one that was just like a supreme waste of a few talented people, and then a bunch of... And I should have known it was going to be terrible with buddy games. Yeah. I, I, did you see that? I still... <laughs> no, there's no reason to see that movie. It was clearly like they were trying to... Um, it, it was basically they are trying to rip off Tag. Tag, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I felt really bad for Olivia Munn, because she's completely wasted in that. But it's just... It's, it's an awful script. It's a completely, like doesn't make any sense premise that and and it's just it's it's really unfunny but it's also like it's guys that are like our age and older just trying to do gross out humor and i'm just like so basically it's a jackass movie yeah but like i mean those guys are charming i mean it's i mean when the most charming person in the cast is dax shepherd He's like, oh god, he's not even that charming. He's not. That's the thing, which is funny because like I used to like his podcast a lot, but like uh, because I don't have the long commute anymore, I don't listen to as many podcasts, yeah. and so every once in a while I chime in or I'll tune Check in, in. Yeah. and I'm like, oh, god, he's really grating. Um, uh, and then the one that the worst movie I saw this year just fucking angered me and i was talking to don about it that's kind of funny that it angered you is you know which one i'm talking about i can see it yeah yeah. (laughs) which is well the biggest thing is and and i you know i i have to begrudgingly kind of tip my hat to the studio that put it out because their biggest claim to fame was it's the number one movie in the world because it was it was the only thing it was the only thing that got released for months it was it was And and they I, I think they're like, look, this is the only way we're gonna make money on this I turd. Can't believe that was the first movie they opened with. Well that was it's crazy. Because like New Mutants was the week after, and yeah. it was basically the the you know, there was a couple wider release bigger pictures, and it's just it's such a turd of a film. Yeah. And and I mean in it, it, it doesn't and, really have a good message with it either. It as well. doesn't have a good no. message. It and it's completely like any other time in the history of movies, it would have been buried in direct-to-video. Um, yeah. It was. I was clear that Russell Crowe was just in it for the paycheck. Yeah, gave zero shit. Like, because I was trying to figure out because you know, and I've talked about this. Maybe not on here because I. Yeah, maybe no. I think I, think did, I did talk about. Yeah, like he's a so bit. heavy in yeah. it. But and I was like, oh, this is going to be for the role. And I was like, nope, just did he not did, give a yeah. shit. It's one of the sweatiest ones this year too. Yeah, it's. I don't know. The whole opening scene, and it's like in the rain, and it just—it's it, bad from the start. Well, and it's you're like, oh, I wonder what this whole backstory to this scene, and then you get nothing, and you're just like, oh, this dude's a psycho. And it, yeah. But that scene also kind of 
undermines the whole message that the dude has road rage and like snapped because it's premeditated yeah, shit. He's already like on. He's already unhinged at that. Yeah, point. and it's yeah. just kind. Of, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, all right, so we'll so, go back and forth and start with ten. And, uh, so before we get into that, yeah, I I do keep track. So last year I saw four hundred and thirty-two films. Jesus, man, altogether. Uh, I didn't count mine. But. Yeah, I saw two hundred and sixty-four twenty-twenty films. Yeah, and I saw how many of those did you see in the theater? Ninety-four. Damn. Yeah. So, but that's like half. And then the other, the other one that I did, I'm pretty sure this is accurate. There's only 57 widely released movies in 2020. Yeah. And widely released means it's in every theater. Right. There's certain ones that were, even with the closure, there's like sometimes AMC would show it, but then like Cinemagic or somebody else wouldn't. And Cinemagic got some exclusive, so yeah. Regal, because I, there was just there was too many bad movies I saw this year to include them all on my yeah. like there was that Kathy Lee Gifford written and directed one with uh, Craig Ferguson. Oh, I never saw that one. Yeah, but that Don't. was like an exclusive. Yeah, but yeah. that looks. I mean, it looks like a student film, like the way it's shot and yeah. everything, and it's just kind of like. And it's weird because Craig Ferguson can be good. And that's why I wanted to see it because yeah. I like him, and he was fine in it. But it's like. They really underplayed the fact that it stars Kathleen Lee Griffin, like um, because she's Kathleen. Lee. I mean, who? Yeah. Well, well, because it's like a romantic comedy where she's the lead, and like I forget how old she is. I think she's seventy, um, and she's clearly had a lot of plastic surgery yeah. done. So she's acting like she. I mean, she's trying to pass herself off as like fifty something. Yeah, but it's like in the trailer, it's like. Starring starring Craig Ferguson, Elizabeth Hurley, and Kathy Lee Griffin, and it's and Elizabeth <laughs> Hurley literally has two scenes, but uh, she's top billed because because they're like, well, here's an attractive woman, let's, which she's not looking that great either. Anymore. She's got to be in her sixties too, right? I think she, 50s. I think she's like fifty four because she was um, like, I think because I think Craig Ferguson's like sixty two, and she was like less than a decade younger than him, but yeah. you know. In the, a different tier, yeah. like, if that makes sense. So anyway. All right. So my number 10 yeah. is um, The Painter and the Thief. It's a documentary. Yeah. Um, it's basically this, well, I don't even think she was well known, but she has, she does these really um, uh, realistic portraits of people. Yeah. And they're huge. They're big. And she had them actually stolen from the gallery. Mm-hmm. So it's her search for looking for him. Yeah. She comes across, she, they found out who stole him, but the guys didn't have them mm-hmm. on him. So she, she befriends the guy and he's an addict and. Does he know that she's the painter? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So basically they go, it's the whole story of her, like trying to figure out where the paintings are. It gets a little, it feels like it's scripted in some parts because yeah. there's, there's some twists and turns in it, but the paintings like you should see this. It's on Hulu now, um, so you can. It's easily to see. Sure, but it's just one of those documentaries that I kind of knew about, but I yeah. didn't. I, I threw it on. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I, I think I have one documentary on my list too. And it was. It yeah, just. It just fully like um, pulls you in, and it's gorgeous looking. The way yeah. she, they show her painting, which is very realistic. It's like um, Chuck Close before he went. Um, before he had the 
I don't know if you had an accident or not. I think so. Yeah. yeah. But that was, it's the kind of style and kind of like that big. Nice. Yep. So my number 10 was the, was the red box one that I had like, I had heard about it, I think at the beginning of the year before the pandemic stuff. And I was like, Oh, that might be interesting based on the cast, um, which is Kajillionaire. Yeah. Um, that was Redbox, huh? Oh, that was Redbox, yeah. And I kept seeing it because the graphic is pretty interesting. It doesn't look like a typical Redbox graphic. And then I was like, and it's funny because it's more of a um, Wes Anderson cover. Yeah, think for it. sure, yeah. for sure. But it's um, so it's Evan Rachel Wood, um, Deborah Winger, and uh, Richard Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins, and then Gina Rodriguez. Which it took me. Forever. <laughs> 20 minutes in the movie. to be, I'm like, what do I know her from? Because and I, when I first pulled her up, her her Wikipedia page up, um, I was like, like Miss Bala? Was that the first one? I think that was it, which I yeah. didn't see. And then I, I remember seeing the preview for it. And I was like, no, I didn't see that because it looked like dog shit. It was bad. And then it, some TV shows. And then I was like, oh, she was in um, Annihilation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... Honestly, I almost turned it off because, and it was nice to see Evan Rachel Wood doing something not only different than Westworld, which is kind of what a lot of people know her from now, even though she's been, she's been she's around. had a career yeah. for a while, but like it's different from anything, anything I've ever seen her do, like the, her, the, the inflection in her voice and like, but weird physicality, like she fully committed to this role. Yeah. And, uh, but I think the fact that, her character's name is Old Dolio, Old Dolio. and it just annoyed the <laughs> shit out of me. And I was like, "What?" Because her it, voice drove me nuts. Oh, That's so just... <laughs> much so, so much so. But yeah. then, and I think the because when they're trying to sneak in and out of their apartment, which yeah. is just basically it's not even an apartment. No, it's a condemned <laughs> office space that keeps the flooding. wall keeps <laughs> flooding with, and it looks like soap from a car wash. Yeah. Uh, and it's never explained, but when, so they duck down, but she does this weird thing where she leans backwards and moves, like she looks like a, like a, a cartoon. Looney Tunes cartoon, yeah. but she's really doing it. It's so weird. But, yeah. um, and the, yeah, and the ending was, I, and I should have seen it coming, but it was like very unexpected. I, and then, I didn't see that. I mean, yeah. There, there. Every once in a while, there's a movie that like really surprises me. Yeah, and I did really like it. It just didn't hit my. It wasn't even my top twenty this year. Well, and I think almost any other year, it would. I would have been like, that was fun. Yeah. I mean, because it's one of those movies. It's hard. It would be hard for me to recommend to very many people. Yeah, you have to get on on board within like the first twenty minutes. Right. Otherwise, it's not going to work for you. And it's it's interesting because like I can't remember the last thing I saw Deborah Winger in because she really doesn't trying. do stuff that much anymore. Um, and I didn't even rec- she was, she was the, completely yeah. unrecognizable to me. And I was like, who the hell is this? And I was like, oh, that makes sense because yeah. she only does like these weird things. Now. Independent stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what's your number nine? So my number nine is the one that I kind of forgot about. Um, so you know I love Elle Fanning. I'll right. watch her in anything. Uh, this one was a Netflix one. And oh. I guess say Netflix this year. Not just like the big stuff that they did, but yeah. like the small indies. They're not even indies at this point because right. it's Netflix. But the small films that they put out every week that yeah. nobody really pays attention to yeah. were really good. Um, this one was called uh, All the Bright Places. Basically, she's a high school student that... 
Um, there was an accident, so she's like withdrawn, but she's really smart. Yeah. And then there's another kid that has issues, and they kind of it's kind of a love story, and mm-hmm. it, it's it's in the vein of Love Simon, but like it's that kind of storytelling sure. where it's actually a good high school story kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And it was just after I realized that it was on. I rated it so high, I went back, and I was like, oh, yeah, that is really good. It's just really well shot. Um, The ending was really good. It kind of takes some twists and turns that aren't kind of, that I've seen. Yeah. But it is on Netflix, and I would recommend it. While we're talking about that, it's not totally, like, not what we're talking about, but when you said Netflix, I was going to say, I haven't watched anything on Netflix in a while because... um, they're using the new iOS, which I didn't oh. have on my phone, and I started to up, upgrade. But um, do you need a plug in? No, oh. I don't think so. Uh, you're not robbing him. Um, I'm assuming that gateway. Yeah, yeah. I, so I think it remembered the password from last time I was here. But I'm going to see if it'll update Netflix now. Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't seen anything in Netflix in like three months. Yeah, and I. And because of that, I tried canceling my account. And they're like, you just have to log in to do it. I was like, I can't log in. And they're like, well, we can't do it over the phone. And I was just like, you keep charging me yeah. for it. Um, so, I yeah, there's a bunch of stuff on Netflix I haven't seen recently. It's still not doing it. But, um, Are you connected to Wi-Fi? I am. Okay. Um, this is... It's it's fine. It's yeah. not not that big a deal. I just thought I was like I can do it now. I tried doing it at the mall, but it's the I'm, it's the free oh the Simon stuff that takes forever. Yeah, um, yeah. Somebody told me somebody who I have about a fifty fifty agreement with his assessment of like both movies and TVs, TV show. But he's someone like us who watches a ton of stuff. Yeah, and he's like he's like yeah, it's great that Netflix picked up. Cobra Kai, too bad they ruined it with season three. So I was just like, okay. So I, I haven't seen it. So yeah, I I started watching season three because it just came out. So yeah. I'm like five or six episodes in this season, they're basically going back and bringing everybody that hasn't been back in the show from the first two movies so far. Yeah, I don't understand why they're not doing the third movie yet. Yeah, but uh, maybe they will. Yeah, and it's okay, but this one. I don't know. It, it's okay. Have they? Because I've only seen about half of season one. Um, have they brought people from the Karate Kid two into it? Um, not because that's almost that's, all. That's in Okinawa. Yeah, that's a third season. That's when they're bringing in third. That's this. One. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. And then I just got an episode where they're going to bring back Elizabeth Shue, supposedly. Interesting. But they brought back um, the original Cobra Kai guys. All of them. Well. I think it was all of them. Yeah. One of them just passed away. In the third season, there's another scene with one of them. So they, it goes back and forth. They brought back his mother. Yeah. So I, I saw um, a picture today. Of, it was Pat Morita. Oh yeah. With all the kids yeah. from Cobra, but they're all wearing punk shirts. Yeah. Yeah. It was like like um, uh, William Zabka's wearing a black flag shirt and. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's an interesting premise, and I, I don't know. I'm I don't love it. People do love it. So many, it's weird. It's one of those things that I feel like, and this is going to sound really elitist and I don't mean it that way, but people who don't genuine, genuinely or generally get into a lot of films are like, oh, this is such a novel idea. And I'm just like, I mean, sure, but, uh, I think it has more, 
it, it's that, but it's also the nostalgia. Sure. Of it, where it's like, oh, it'd be cool to see what happened like 30 years later. Right, right. And it's an interesting premise, but I don't think it needs a fourth season. No. <laughs> I, um, it was funny because I, um, my mom for my birthday this year just gave me a box full of like art that I made when I was a little kid and yeah. weird newspapers and like and i i looked at some of them because they weren't that old i was like i don't know why this is in here i started throwing like basically once a day i'll grab a handful of stuff and be like what's this what's this don't want this don't want this and i found this one thing and i'm glad it was on the front cover because otherwise i would have thrown it out but it was like fans go crazy for new star wars oh yeah yeah and it was you know it was i remember waiting outside toys r us to get the phantom menace stuff um and it was just like, a, oh, yeah. And I was like, well, I guess not much has changed in 21 and a half years. But um, but it's funny because, like, most... Well, it has because I don't think... Well, they don't do midnight openings for toys anymore. I mean, the last one they did was at that Toys R Us, like, yeah. two years ago. Oh, um, did they do? I never it was, realized. It, it was for the second Disney Star Wars movie, um, uh, The Last Jedi. Oh, okay. And then they closed. And so, no, like... And it was weird because every retailer, like Target, Walmart, whatnot, had their own like exclusives for yep. the for the final one and for Solo. So I was just like, okay, um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I hate that because it was just obviously it was just Christmas time. So Walmart still has a lot of their like bulk shippers in the middle of aisles. Yeah, yeah. and all, like all the like grab and go like stock and stuff for toys have this have written in the cardboard it's like america's number one toy store which is technically true because just by sheer volume yeah yeah but i'm just like that's sad yeah um so my number nine is is a documentary it's uh about the band swans but more uh specifically michael girard um the the only constant member of swans it's called when does a body end uh which it's one of the best music films i've ever seen and it's weird because you don't have to be a fan of Swans to appreciate it. I mean, and I, I, I know maybe, like, I could count on one hand probably people that I... No, that's not true. I know, like, ten people who listen to Swans personally, yeah. and almost all of them are musicians themselves, and it's not particularly accessible music, but it's, it's an interesting portrait of an artist who... Um, because Swans started in the early eighties in New York and they've pretty much gone consistently. I mean, it took a break for about nine years in like the late nineties to the early two thousands, but he was making music just under a different name and kind of, but he's never had a hit record. It's never been like, like every single thing is like him scraping by the last 10 years of Swan's albums and what he does is he does a limited run album to fund the studio album. So the limited one is like all like usually like demos, live yeah. recordings, usually the, it's usually vinyl only. It's usually hand painted jackets and they're oh, wow. super expensive. Yeah. Um, it's usually like, you know, he'll do like runs of like 250 oh, and they're usually like a hundred bucks a piece. Yeah. And then, um, you know, subsequent, like, and most of the time, like, huge fans will buy, like, two or three of them and then, then flip them later. Yeah. Um, but. That always drives me nuts. And it doesn't really, it doesn't really focus on that aspect. It's yeah. just more about, like, how, 
how he helps fund his stuff. How, yeah. I mean, they barely touch on it in there. I just knew about that, but it's just interesting seeing someone who's that dedicated and so like obsessed with it's basically I put him on par with someone like Nick Cave or someone yeah. like that as far as just like it's almost like a mania but he just he doesn't have the record sales yeah. that I do and there's a little bit of crossover in membership with the Bad Seeds and Swans over the years and there's a lot of people uh-huh. who have played with Swans who have gone on to be in other bands is it like, an Australian band? nope oh okay nope um but uh, this guy, Kid Congo Powers, was a member of Swans for a while, was also a member of the Bad Seeds. He's an American guitar player, but he lived in England for a while. That's Because yeah. even though the Bad Seeds were originally mostly an Australian group, they the Bad Seeds actually formed in London. Okay. Um, and it's, yeah. But, um, and it's, it's, it's long. It's two hours and 40 minutes. And it's, uh, it never feels indulgent yeah. and it was one of those things and, and i mean obviously i'm a little biased because i'm a swans fan but um because at around the two hour and ten minute mark i was just like i wonder how long this has been because i was like i knew how long it was but i was like I bet you it's i've been watching for about 90 minutes and i was yeah. like oh there's only like 25 minutes left um yeah but and anyone that i know who's like seriously into music i'm like yeah. you need to watch this i don't know if it's on any streaming services i actually it played in theaters the end of last year oh really well i mean just like art houses yeah and um but i bought the the dvd of oh, it okay. when it came out so yeah that makes sense so that's kind of a interesting segue into mine number nine uh eight yeah david burns american utopia mm, i haven't seen it yeah it's so when I first, I, I think like everybody else, when I first heard about it, it's like, what the hell is Spike Spike Lee gonna do with with David Byrne? Mm. But David Byrne made one of the one, I think, one of the best um, concert videos. Yeah, and stop making sense. You know, you knew who directed that, right? Yeah, uh, Demi, yeah. Jonathan Demi. Yeah, because yeah. he he went on to do a couple other ones too. Yeah, he yeah. did. Did he do Justin Timberlake's one before he died? I think passed so. Away? Yeah. I think that was one of the last. And that one's really good, too. Yeah. Because that kind of, like, focuses on, like, the whole backstage stuff. And, yeah. 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 Um, but once you get into it and you understand, I mean, David Byrne's always been kind of, like, semi-political and then, like... Sure. Not, but the songs and... I think the best thing about this is like the little interludes in between mm-hmm. the songs and the songs themselves too. It's just it makes sense once you watch it. Mm. I don't know. I don't really want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen it. Yeah, but it definitely has to do with like the Black Lives Move, uh, Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff, and how he sees how America is now, kind yeah. of thing. And there at the end of it, there's. I think there's like a two minute interview between David Byrne and Spike Lee. Yeah. That needs to be its own film. Interesting. Yeah. Um, that's on HBO max. Right on. I'm just going to mention if you could <laughs> see something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I had, um, I don't, I don't know if, so my, you know, my other podcast, this is my truth. Tell me yours. Yeah. I talk, I don't know if you heard the episode or whatnot. I talked to Mike Levitt who, um, He's a sculptor. He did the yeah, yeah. Uh, so he um, he had a pretty interesting Spike Lee story because he had done a sculpture of Spike Lee and yeah, that, I did yeah. yeah, and that was that was pretty cool. Uh, Where was, he was across the hall from somebody else from Quentin Tarantino, yeah. which he 
Mike had no idea that there was like major beef between yeah. the two of them. He's like, oh, did you do that on purpose? And he's like, do what? And, <laughs> um, I meant to look up his stuff and I still haven't. His stuff is great. And he just did a... Because uh, um, I didn't realize he did the, the Ginsburg. Yeah, yeah. And because... He was the first when she passed away. He was the first person I reached out to, and like, it's it's weird because I still have never met him in person. But he's someone that I've been like a huge fan of his art for years, yeah. and like, because I was just like, he's super into Star Wars, but he's also an artist. But he's also into action figures and like kind of crossing. So you know, it checks a off a lot of. Yeah. But because uh, he just did, uh, he just did a Colin Kaepernick one that he spent most of the year on, and the original, which just sold for an astronomical amount of money. Um, I think it's 18 inches, but he got Kaepernick's blessing to do it. And a portion of the sale of it is going to his nonprofit, which oh, wow. is pretty cool. That is cool. Um, but, uh, so my number eight, I actually is another red box one, which I had heard about, but is the assistant. Yeah. Um, and that, and, and again, that's one of those ones. It's tough for me to recommend to too many people, but and it's I forget the actress's name. Most people know her from Ozark. Kitty something. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. But it's I know her from a couple. She did a one with um, uh, Lily Tomlin yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah. That was really good. She's yeah. she's done some interesting stuff. And it's one of those things. It's kind. It reminds me of God. What was that? Josh Hartnett was in a movie at least a decade ago about all the dot com startups. Uh, where the company they worked for was called Landshark. Yeah. Uh, but they never explain what they did. Yeah. And this is sort of the same thing. It's it's like in a roundabout way, it's entertainment. Yeah. But and you never see the you never see the boss. Yep. And it's kind of like it's I don't know if you want to say, but it's supposed to be Weinstein. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of what I figured. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, and it's it's very interesting, but it, it reminded me of uh, that movie that Tom Hardy did a few years ago where he's driving the whole time and he's on the phone, you know, which one I'm talking yeah, yeah. about, but it's like, you have to kind of have an open mind for it because, and I didn't, you know, I went into the assistant not knowing the format of it. And so I was like, all right, we're like 15 minutes in and this hasn't like opened up at all. Yeah. And then like 20 minutes and I was like, okay, I guess this is what this yeah. is. Um, yeah, it's not quite a real time, but it is a, a, Day in life of one one day, yeah, of this assistant. Well, that's what I was trying to figure out because while I was like, is this over the course of the week or is this because her day starts before the sun's up yeah. and it ends w- well after the sun goes down and it's you know she works for this a very abusive you know producer whatnot in the entertainment industry and it's not never explicitly said exactly what it is but yeah, um, yeah it was very very interesting. I. It was interesting. It was. It was so. It is dry it, yeah. to me. It's really dry. And the two people that she interacts the most just drove me nuts. The and two guys. Yeah. The yeah, two guys. Yeah. Are really. They remind me of. Remember the season of The Office where Jim starts. Yeah. Out yeah. They remind me of like a bunch of those people. Yeah. yeah. They're just in the background. Yeah. I do love that end scene too, though. Yeah. Like that's one of the better. Oh, when she's in the like the, the cafe, the, the cafe across yeah. the street. Yeah. Yep. Cause I was and, and I didn't know that that's when the movie was gonna end, but I was like, I have a feeling this is gonna be the last scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I did enjoy it. It just And again, it any other year, I don't think it would have made my top ten, but it was so hard for like the top I think four, I was like, these were movies that yeah. would probably be in my top ten in any year, but everything else I was just like 
Well, this is one of the ten good movies I saw this year. <laughs> that one's getting a lot of love, like end of year list too. And right. I, I understand it, but I don't. I mean, I think so much of it's like political, like the Me Too yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I get that. All right, so number seven. Uh, this is one of two animated movies on my list. I've yeah, two animated movies on my list too. I wonder if they're the same. Oh. I don't know if you'd seen this one. Mine is Wolfwalkers. Oh, no, I've never even heard of it. Yeah. So, Wolfwalkers, it's basically, um, it's an Irish, I, I don't know if you've ever seen Secret of Kells. It's like that style. Um, so, it, it's basically like hand-drawn, it, it's Miyazaki meets Irish folklore. Interesting. Which is really, and it's, it's amazingly hand-drawn. Uh, the cast is really good. It's all Irish. It's basically about... Um, these there's they they're called wolf walkers so they're not quite werewolves but they when they sleep at night they turn into wolves and then when they wake up they they commune with wolves and it's about the town's getting close and trying so to is it like skinwalkers like the uh native american kind of yeah, yeah yeah that's probably where it started but it's just so well drawn yeah it's last year there was um there was a christmas music movie that was kind of reminded me of the same thing it was like klaus mm. it, it reminded but it was just it's very clean the story's great it seems like where'd you see that um i that was a theater at home one but you can see it on apple plus not that i'm gonna recommend apple plus but yeah that was one that i was able to get a copy of gotcha. so but it is because miyazaki doesn't really do as much that's what it felt like yeah and I, I would highly recommend it. Nice. And this year, I don't think, I, I don't think I have two documentaries, but most of the time I only have one animated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this again, and so my that was number seven, right? Yeah. My number seven is animated as well, um, which is Onward. Which I, oh yeah, it, it's weird because that was like in the first quarter of the year, I think. And I was like, that's Pixar too. It is Pixar too. And I was yeah. just like, I was like, this came out this year. Yeah. I was like, it's oh, like wow. February, right? Yeah. But it, yeah. Fe- it feels like, I mean, cause it's, it's been out on home video for like six months now. Uh, and it was one of those things that like, so I was talking about again, when I saw Dawn today, I was talking about that. And I said, um, said it's not the best Pixar movie by yeah. any means. But I said, the problem Pixar has now is they set the bar so high for themselves early on that like, if they can't keep topping themselves, then it's going to seem like their stuff is There's, not. Yeah. And it's really, it's really good, but it's not Pixar's best work by any means. So my problem with on it's good. I like Onward, yeah. but I was so underwhelmed by it. Yeah. Like there's definitely good scenes in it. Yeah. If this, it's weird because if it was DreamWorks, it'd be one of DreamWorks' best movies. Absolutely, but Absolutely. because it's Pixar, yeah, it, it does come down, to and that. it does feel more like a DreamWorks type that's, of movie. And I think that's what the issue I have with it is. I mean, there is one scene with that van that is probably that's fantastic, probably the best scene this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that scene, but and that's probably. 90% of why it's on there. And also, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it does in typical Pixar thing with the father being dead and whatnot, yeah. they, you know, they're tugging on the heartstrings with that. But it does, it takes a different turn, this one does, than yeah. I think any other Pixar's yeah. done, which was very interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, my number six. Yeah. 
So my number six, you should see this one too. This is on Amazon. Um, it's Sound of Metal. And oh, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I started watching it. I haven't finished it yet. Riz but I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. He and his girlfriend Rachel are Cook. like, yeah, yeah. they're uh, they're like a, a noise rock band. Yeah. And he's the drummer and he's losing his hearing. Yeah. Yep. I just, I didn't get a chance to finish it before this was done, but I was really enjoying that. Yeah. Yeah. I think his before, I've seen him in other stuff and um, Rachel Cook is his, his girlfriend. She's really good in this yeah. too. And then there's a French guy in the end that played a Bond character who's always, he was in Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Yeah. Who's, who has a good scene, but it's basically just him learning to deal with his, his, is uh, him going deaf. Yeah. And it takes some twists and turns and it's really good, but his performance is what leads the whole yeah. thing. And it's like heartbreaking the last probably like 20 minutes yeah. or so the way he kind of, he ends up dealing with something that, you know, he shouldn't be doing it this way, but right. you understand why he's doing it. Yeah. And then, yeah, but I would recommend definitely uh, finishing it. Yeah. No, it, it's not even like a, it's just a time thing. It's more because I don't have like my my television's not hooked up to the internet. So whenever I watch anything streaming, it's literally on a you know oh, yeah. a, a two inch by three inch screen. So it's usually after I've come home from work, I'll lay in bed and I'm like, what am I gonna watch? And I try and do fifteen minute increments. Yeah. So I'm just like so for like a two hour movie. It's going to take me eight days minimum to watch it. But, and it's, and I can also, if I watch 15 minutes and I'm not getting sleepy, I was like, all right, I'll go through the next 15 minutes. But inevitably, it's usually like eight minutes into that. I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) Um, uh, And the same thing with a television series. And so that's why a season of a show can literally take me six months. Um, So it was like when I, case in point, I had wanted to see all of Watchmen uh, for a while and then. I actually let my HBO membership lapse, and then so it ended up being a Black Friday deal at Walmart. I got the whole oh, wow. season for five bucks, so I plowed through it in like four days yeah. because I could watch it on my TV, you know, on my, yeah. um, and it was great. But I was like, it, and so much of the visuals and that would have been lost on the small screen, anyways. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I want to see it, and I want to finish it. It's not like I've been putting it off; it's just. Yeah, getting through it. And it's because I have, you know, because obviously all of November and December was pretty much the Mandalorian was every Friday. I mean, as it should have been. Well, and I and I got, you know, a couple of my coworkers like joked about it because I would be I would come in Friday and I'd be the only person at work who had watched it because people were like. You watched it, it in just the morning. Came out to, well, and I would actually set my alarm for four in the morning, get up, watch it, take a piss, and go back to sleep for like two hours. Um, and Is that an enjoyable way to watch something? Well, it, it was sort of at, born out of necessity because the problem with Disney Plus was, and I have this like almost any time during the regular day, I think because I'm using Wi-Fi, not, not like a landline or anything, is... Disney Plus, it, it like is too busy and it would keep crashing, so oh, I couldn't watch it. So I've found early in the morning nobody's watching it, so I was just like, it, I had no problem watching. And a lot of times later, I would go back and rewatch episodes of yeah. The Mandalorian. I did it with about half the episodes in this season, but yeah, between that and 
um, high fidelity in the first half of the year. Yeah. Two of my favorite, like, like you know, visual things this year Still were television. Yeah. But you haven't watched it. Mm-mm. It sucks because they canceled it. Um, like they they didn't do they were and it it's kind of left on not a cliffhanger, but it's like yeah. okay, now we're going this way with it. Hulu's doesn't have like a huge TV presence quite yet. Like, well, TV show presence. Right. They have like one or two hits, like the um, the Elizabeth Moss thing. Yeah. And they've had a couple things, but if they're not carried over from like FX and right. then they do it on there, yeah. they, it's like, it's really hit or miss. I just don't understand because it was so critically acclaimed yeah. that. But who wa- did anybody watch it? I mean, I don't know globally if people did, but like, yeah. er, like everyone that I talked to when it was, I was like, Oh my God, did you see this show? And I'm like, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. And it was like, it's the best thing I've ever seen Zoe Kravitz ever do. And yeah. I was like, this is like a star making turn for her. Um, and it was just cause I loved the movie. Um, and I also read Nick Hornby's yeah. book, which cause the movie is very different than the book. And this is like very different than both of them. And it's better than both of them. That's good. Um, it's definitely, there's always, I don't get into as many TV shows. Yeah. Because it's just one of those things that, it, I, I'm still finishing up Fargo. Okay. The, the last season of Fargo from last year. The year. Chris Rock one? Yeah. I didn't, I, I started it a couple times and I've heard that it's been, I just hated season three of Fargo so much. The Ewan McGregor one. Oh yeah, that one was pretty bad. But this one takes place in Kansas City, right? Like seeing it, and it kind of reminds me of when I was there. And sure, like, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, number six for me, um, you and I saw together actually, which was Possessor. Oh yep. Um, which it's That's it's high. <laughs> Again, yeah, probably wouldn't have even made my top ten. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. it. It's a weird fucking movie. It, it um, it's it's very cerebral. Um, I forget the actress's name. I don't have any of my notes in front of me, but I'm kind of okay with that too. Yeah. It's for any of you who saw the movie Mandy. It's Mandy from Mandy, <laughs> um, but she's the lead in this, and she's like this weird assassin, cerebral assassin. Like yeah. she's she basically assumes someone else's body, and then you know, does something, but, and of course it goes wrong because every time it happens, like people's brains don't quite sync right. And, um, and it's David Cronenberg's son wrote and directed it. Um, I mean, it's it's definitely Cronenberg. Yeah, it's very, yeah, yeah, you can definitely see his father's influence on him, but, um, I really, it, it stuck with me. Um, and that's the thing, that's like a big indicator for me. Because when I first, I mean, going back to my number 10, Kajillionaire, after I saw it, I was like, well, that was interesting. I'm not going to think, think about it. But I've been yeah. thinking about it for like a week since then. So I was yeah. just like, all right, that's that's a good indication that should be on the list. Yeah, um, that makes sense. And, and one of the, just, one of the movies that was in, was a contender, but I had to cross off, and I don't know if you saw this, was uh, Lost Girls in Love Hotels. Um, no, it's on my list to see, but I never... It's one of those ones that like, it's very specific, and uh, and... It's it's about uh, an American woman living in Japan, and yeah. she's basically she's had trauma in her life, and just she teaches English, but in between her days at work, she wanders the city and like picks men up and has them take her to hotels. And yeah. um, how is she in that role? She's great. She's great, and it's it, and it's funny because she gets 
I think most of what she's been cast for so far is because she's beautiful. Yeah, um, Baywatch. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and she was, you know, it's weird because she played uh, Dwayne Johnson's love interest in one film and then played his daughter in another, and I was like, that's creepy. Um, <laughs> the Rock can do whatever he wants. Right, uh, but and she was in the first season of True Detective. True Detective, yeah. Um, but it's an interesting, because it's a very sad role, and she fully committed to it, and it was funny because... My friend who lives in Indonesia, but who's from the United States, was just like, oh, yeah, another movie about a, <laughs> a, an American in Asia. Like, And I'm just like, well, it's not exactly it. But it's also, for me, was very specific because, you know, and this is not, you know, a lot of people have commented on the fact that I just know a ton of people. Yeah. And I have, there's probably four or five people that I've had relationships with over many years that it's in complete isolation of anyone else I know. Yeah. So like, and I was thinking about it. I was like, some of these people that I know, like if they were to pass away, like obviously I would be upset, but like if someone's like, Oh, you went to go someone's funeral in this state who who were like, it would be really hard for me to explain like my, and I don't, and I don't mean it in any sort of like, lurid way or whatnot it's just like and sometimes i've had to like backtrack for years to try and fi- i was like how did we first yeah. connect <laughs> like I, I have a friend out in uh colorado who i actually didn't see on this last trip but i've seen her the last two times i've been there w- which we first connected on instagram and it was one of those things that um I think if the roles were reversed, if I was a woman and she was a man, yeah, and she had approached the same way, I would have been like, "Ooh, red <laughs> flags." But um, because I'm a big, burly dude and she's a tiny woman, it was like, "Hey, let's meet up at this bar and hang out." I was like, "Okay," <laughs> um, I wasn't too too concerned about it. Um, yeah. And then like, but we had also had several years of just commenting on each other's stuff, and we have very yeah. similar taste in music. We're of the same age, but. Um, and, like, we even talked when I was out in Colorado, and she knows that I may be relocating there this year for part of the year. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those things that I was like, this person has no connection to any other person in my life, um, but this is someone that's important to me. And it's, there's, I didn't even realize that that was a feeling that I, like, feel like not that many people I know have a similar experience, and, yeah. and that movie captured that feeling very well. Like I'd yeah, never seen it. Sense. I had never seen it like portrayed in film before. It is like a genre. Cause there's another one. I forget what it's called, but there's one that came out on Netflix. It's, um, it's like bird, bo- bird box. Bird box. Yeah. yeah. It's very similar to kind of yeah. that thing where it, unfortunately it is like an American in a foreign country, usually an Asian country. Wait, isn't, I thought bird box was the Sandra Bullock. No. Um, the one where she's got her eyes. Yeah, it's re- the name is really similar to that though. Huh. Yeah, it it's like I forget. I'd have to look at Birdman. <laughs> yeah, Birdman. Yeah. Um, what was that? Did you do number six? I did number six. So you're on number five. Right. Number five. So my number five is on the rocks. Um, Sofa Coppola's new movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is. It's not the perfect Bill Murray movie, but yeah. it is the perfect Bill Murray movie for this year. Like it's a, it feels like a sequel to lost in translation. Is this the first time they've worked together since that? 
No, because um, they did a very mer- a very Murray Christmas a couple of years ago, right? Which feels like the prequel to this. Interesting. Which I don't know if you. I actually went. I saw on the rocks first, and then I went back and saw. I, I never saw a very Murray Christmas. Yeah, it's actually it's pretty good. It, Are it's, any of the members of the Wu Tang Clan in it? I think I think there is one. Interesting. Yeah, there there is none in on the rocks though. Okay. <laughs> um, but basically it's about him like, and his daughter. And his daughter thinks that her husband's having an affair. And it's like him being... It feels like Bill Murray being Bill Murray. Yeah. And it's like his perfect role. She's really good in it. Yeah. It's so- Sophie Cope. Who plays his daughter? Uh, Rashida Jones. Rashida Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is. And then uh, I forget who the husband is. But it is... It's, I mean, I'll see anything that uh, she does. Yeah. But this is the best thing I think she's done since maybe Mary Antoinette. Because mm-hmm. I didn't like Bling Ring and I didn't like. I hated Bling Ring. Yeah. There's one really good scene in that. And then other than that, it, it's hard to watch. Where'd you see that? Uh, that was at Kendall Theater before okay. they closed. So that was the theater. I don't think it's available anymore. Gotcha. It, it might be. But if you like. Bill Murray, Rashida Jones, or Sofia Coppola. Yeah. Definitely check it out. So my, speaking of Bird Box, not the movie you were talking about, <laughs> but the other one. So that movie was scored by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Oh. Uh, uh, so the film that I'm talking about now was also scored by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Did you uh, Did you actually see that? Uh, Soul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's, I mean, believe it or not, I actually finished it today. Nice. Um, well, it was one of those things that it was like cutting it down to the wire, and I was like, I got another 25 minutes left. And then I was like, wait a minute, I think this is wrapping up. There's 19 minutes of credits in that film. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's so long. Which we, so what's weird is, and I noticed that because like The Mandalorian has that too, where it's got the credits in all the different countries. Well, that's, yeah, but that's what, a Netflix thing too. Yeah, but what's weird is, some of the countries that it has, like, the credits for, Disney Plus is not available in those countries. I'm like... Yet. Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, it's, they're like, we're just getting it out of the way so we don't have to redo it when it's available. Well, that's the thing that takes so long for Netflix to turn stuff around. I don't know if it's the same thing. Yeah. I, I mean, Soul's been out there for a while, but the dubbing for all the countries that Netflix is in takes six, up to six months for them to do it before they can release it. So yeah, so Disney will do it. So Disney for all their like Disney Plus stuff. Yeah. They do it simultaneously. Um what's interesting cuz like for the Mandalorian, um Pedro Pascal does his voice in a lot of the countries. Oh, that's awesome. Cuz he speaks like six languages. Yeah. Um like he does all the Latin American countries, but he also he does the Japanese one, which I thought was interesting. That is interesting. Um but um so back to soul yeah soul is my number three okay yeah and i was i i, I shouldn't say i'm surprised because it's pixar again i thought but i did think it was better than onward oh yeah and but it like i'm like i there's something about it that is just amazing there's a there's a real like melancholy is not the right word but it's there's some there's very it's very existential yes yeah. and because uh Part of it actually reminded me of uh, um, God, he's one of my favorite directors. I'm drawing a complete blank. Uh, Gilliam? No, uh, Thin Red Line. Um, oh, Malick. 
Yet some of it, like, so once when they're in the, um, basically once he plays the gig yeah, and thinks that's what he wants. And it kind of goes through this montage. It really reminded me of a lot of Terrence Malick's stuff. And I yeah. was like, this is weird. It wasn't and, spinning enough. No, that's true. <laughs> but also, but then when he goes to find number 22, and if you're saying that's a spoiler, if you haven't seen the movie, you have no idea what I'm saying right now. When he goes to find 22, some of the visuals of that actually reminded me of Miyazaki as well. Yeah. Um, it, that whole, like, um, the zone area? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's like Malik, and it's also, I can see Miyazaki in that. Too. So I yeah. like that it kind of got outside of their kind of cookie cutter, like, visual. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was... And I, I saw the preview for it, honestly, probably a dozen times before the shutdown, or at, right after yeah. the... Re-opened. I don't think I ever saw that trailer. I saw it so many times. But it has so little of what the movie's actually yeah. about in it. Cause, and I also didn't realize, even though I saw the trailer so much, I had no idea it was Jamie Foxx doing the voice until I saw it. I still... Like, I looked it up, and I'm like, this doesn't sound like Jamie. doesn't sound like yeah. him. I mean, obviously, it's Tina Fey, but... Yeah. Um... I also like that um, Alice Braga is one of the voices of one of the the people in the the not the beyond the before yeah and then the other guy the yeah guy. the Australian guy yeah I thought that was somebody else and it's not yeah and it was nice to hear Felicia Rashad too yeah 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 it was I kind of I had a friend that we went to college together and he worked on it he's the same one that worked on um, the Incredibles yeah. And he posted it. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm really. And it came out Christmas Day, I think. Right. And I, we went to the theater, and that was definitely one of the ones that I was like, I gotta see this today. Yeah, because I think it's gonna. Be- oh, did you see it in the theater? No, oh, it's okay. not playing in the theater. Oh, that's right. It's every other country that, or like countries that don't have Disney Plus, it's playing in the theater. Oh, that makes sense. Because it's weird because I think it was like a hundred and fifty million dollar budget, and it's made seven million dollars. But, but. And it's, but it's such a hard thing to gauge. And that's the thing too, is like, I feel like studios need to give movies for the next, like, like for the past 10 months and like for the coming like yeah. six months, a pass and be like, that's not a failure because it's, it, there's so many things that in this world going on right now yeah. that first of all, people aren't, people really can't go to the movies for the most part, but like yeah. people have other priorities and it's just like. I don't know. I completely understand. Like, I, I'm just one of those people that I, I've gone to the movies. I can go to the movies. There's ones near me. Mm-hmm. I'm cautious when I go in. Sure. Um, AMC does a really great. I think AMC's probably AMC Methuen is probably one of the cleanest ones I've seen. Yeah. The Cinemark's really clean too. But and for people that have had like concerns about it, because I like Todd Hunter, who you know, yeah, I've gone to the movies with a bunch he hasn't seen a movie in theaters in like nine months but i just tell people i'm like there like when they were open there was no one in there like yeah i think i went to the movies in in six weeks i think i went 19 times yeah and i think there were five times in those 19 where there was anyone else in the theater with me and it was like two or three people yeah listen within the last couple months there's been there may be one other person or one other couple yeah. in with me, but most of the time it is. I mean, it, it was always like that when I go anyways, because the times I go, there wasn't ever yeah. really. The thing that I've noticed more than anything is the staff is the Cinemagic in, um, in Hooksit. I literally think there's two people that work there. Yeah. 
uh, I mean, on a given shift, I walked in, and this is nothing to their cleanliness. There's just um, the trash hadn't been taken out sure. for a while, and I'm like, I completely get that. They're focused on the theaters. The theaters right. are fine. Yeah. And there's two, there's one person checking you in and giving you your stuff. Yeah. And there's one other person there, maybe. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, I don't know how they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's around four. So that was your fight. All right. So my four, I think this is going to be the other one that's on your list. It's Tenet. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's on my list, too. Yep. I didn't see it as many times as you did. Yeah. But it's still probably the best cinematic thing I've seen this year. Yeah, I, I would agree. Well, yeah. no, actually, I would say my number one is. But oh, okay. I guess I just revealed the ten is not my number one. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it worked for me the first time. It worked the second time. It I don't know if it worked better the second time or I just like everything kind of clicked more for me. Yeah, the second time I'd say for me, viewings three and four were the sweet spot. Where yeah, it's just like because you know what to expect, and also you have enough familiarity with it, and you're like, right, this yeah. ties back to that. Because the first time, we just watched it Christmas Day with my mom and my brother for the first time, and and they enjoyed it. I could tell my mom was very lost. Yeah. Because she's like, so what? And I was like, doesn't matter. It yeah. Trust me, it doesn't matter. You just have to, like, buckle in for right. the ride. Um, I will say, because I've now watched it seven times, Yeah. Uh, by around the fifth one, it starts... Like you start to see some of the loose threads, it and you're, is, yeah. you're like, "This does not hold up as far like the logic behind it." Yeah, but it's fine. Um, and it, and I mean, they even kind of handle that in the movie, and they're like, "It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> just just, yeah. you, just go with it." Yeah, we're in this. We're doing this. Yeah, I'll see you here. Just trust me. And the the making of it that's on the Blu-ray is great, just because they were because most films have. At least a continuity person. Yeah. They had a team of 10 people, but it wasn't so much for continuity. It was a logic yeah. thing. And they're like, does, they're like, what would happen in this scenario? Yeah. And it was interesting, like, for, like, you know, the fight scene in the airport. Yeah. They had um, both the people involved, like the stunt guy and, and uh, John David Washington, had to learn the backwards. fight both forwards and backwards because yeah. it was shot multiple times. Um, and, you can see that too, though. Yeah, like I think that that scene is probably one of the my favorite scenes. Yeah, because it's in there twice. Right, and by the time you see it the second time, you're like, "Oh shit!" Like the first time, you kind of get it. Right, but the second time, you're like, "Oh shit!" One of these guys is doing this completely backwards, right. and you're like, "Which one?" And then right. the second time, you the second viewing of the whole film, you. You yeah. see it in a whole different perspective. And yeah. it's interesting how much, because they basically go through and talk about the visual effects, but also, but if anyone's seen that movie but hasn't watched the, the behind-the-scenes stuff, there's way less CGI than you would think. There, like, most of it's removing of wires. Most yeah. of it is practical. Um, it, it Like, the whole scene where him and Robert Pattinson, like, bungee jump into the yeah. thing, that was really them doing it because they're, they're just like... They're like, well, we could probably use the stunt doubles, but we need you guys for this opening shot. Yeah. And there's no way to fake it. So they're like, you was, know. Did they shoot that in IMAX? Was that they an did. IMAX one? They did. So yeah. that's another reason. Yeah. 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 And when that's what they said, they're like, you can't get away with cheating this if we're shooting it in yeah. IMAX. Um, so that's kind of funny. It, I happened to see Die Hard in the theater. Yeah. And then watching Die Hard, you're like, 
stuntable. Yeah. Stuntable. Well, it was also it was a different time where, like... Oh, yeah. I mean, you can even tell movies from the 80s and early 90s when, you know, if the face is turned away from the yeah. camera, you're like, that's, you know... Because now audiences have a different expectation of yeah. films, and, like, a lot of times they'll put someone's face over oh, digitally, but, yeah, and there was, like... Because the whole sailing scene, they're like, oh, yeah, these three actors had to learn how to sail this boat because... There's no, they're like, they were doing that. Um, they're like, we got all the shots from a boat alongside them. Yeah. They were actually sailing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, you can only have three people on a boat right. like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, you could, with the way that he shoots, there's no way to get like the clarity. Right. With like anything else like attached to that. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize the first time because Christopher Nolan's films don't have opening credits, but it's, uh, God, I can't think of his name. But he's in it. He's like the 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 team leader for the soldiers. But uh, that's uh, Aaron. It's, it's a hyphenated last name. Uh, but he's he played Kickass. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was also he was nominated for that uh, Nocturnal Creatures. He was nominated for his role in that too. He's done some interesting stuff. Yeah, he's yeah he has been. He he looks like a different another actor that. That I thought he was, but then looking yeah. back, yeah, yeah, he's he's had a pretty good career since. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is funny because he was very much like no, because like, like he's like a kid in that, even though he wasn't, he was like twenty four when he yeah. had the first kick. But he's changed so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Right. So, so that was your number four. That's my number four. Uh, so my number four. I, it was one of those things that it took me so by surprise. Um, and it was a, it, I think it was a, I think it's Hulu. It was either Hulu or Amazon, but uh, Palm Springs. Hulu. Yeah. yeah. And that was one of those. I you didn't like that. No, that I much. loved it. I loved it. But I thought it was going to be dog shit because yeah. um, it's Andy Samberg. Um, this is, see, I love Pup, uh, Pup Star Never Stop. Right. Stopping. Never Stop Never Stopping. Yeah. Um, see, that was what kind of like. That's kind of like where I broke from the Lonely Island at that point. I yeah. was just like, and I liked the idea of it, but the actual execution, I was like, it's good. But this, I mean, this is a very because di- this is not like a Lonely Island. Even though no. Andy Samberg is the star of it, it's not a vehicle of his. I mean, he was one of the producers on it, but I think it was yeah. written. I think it was written for someone else, and then they put him in it, which kind of worked well. Yeah. But the fact that it because it's. You know, when it came out, I was talking to people because I was like, it's kind of Groundhog Day, but from a different angle. Yeah. And, and it's also because you you are thrown right into the premise. Not well, not right away, but yeah. within the first like 10 minutes. It's funny because when I was watching it, like I, I kind of knew what it was about the first mm-hmm. time. I've only seen it once, but I kind of knew what it was about the first mm-hmm. time. So as I like the first run, I'll say the first run through that they do, I was like. That's kind of weird. Yeah. And then and then when it finally... But it, it is within like 20 minutes that you yeah. know what's happening. And it also reminds me of... And this might seem like a stretch, but you've probably seen this movie. Did you ever see the movie The Tao of Steve? Yeah. Yep. It, his relationship... Andy Samberg's relationship with the girl in that kind of reminds me of Donald Logue's yep. relationship with the actress in that... In that I, I, I don't know how to describe it without yeah. giving both of them away, but it's basically like it's a it's a much deeper and sadder relationship than you actually initially think it's, it is. Yeah, more complicated for sure. It's definitely like I think the last third when you when you when he figures out what's going on with her, mm-hmm. 
And then I don't think we as an audience know what's happening either until right. that point. And then you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, that, that definitely adds something yeah, to it. Yeah, for a comedy that I thought was going to be super formulaic, it had a lot of surprises, in it, and it did not go in the direction I thought it was yeah, going to. It was definitely, and I think it's J.K. Simmons' best role this year. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 He's not in it. He's not in it much, <laughs> much but it's, a, it's great, and it was, because he's, and I love J.K. Simmons, but he kind of falls into a lot of the similar roles, yeah. and this was a different role for him. It's weird, because it's kind of similar, like, you see him at one point, and then he comes back later, mm-hmm. and the first role, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. but then when he comes back that second time, you're like, oh, this is definitely way better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I It was definitely... It didn't make my top 20, but it was up there. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so my three was Soul, so we did that. Yep. So then I'll jump. Do you want to do your three? Do you want me to jump to my... Um, I can go through my bottom ones really well, you quick. Can, you, no, you can do your, um, you can do your uh, number two, two because my number two is going to be something that you've talked about. Okay. Well. So my number two is Lover's Rock. So the best thing that I think I've seen filmically this year is probably Small Axe. Mm-hmm. So Small Axe is the five films that Steve McQueen did mm-hmm. and released to Amazon. They're all, if you watch them in order, they, they diminish mm-hmm. in how good they are. There's Mangrove, there's Lover's Rock, which is my number two, Yeah, Red, White, and Blue, Education, and then there's one other one. I can't remember what it is. Basically, it's all set in a West Indie suburb of London yep. and the strife that they go through throughout the years with cops and and um, basically dealing with racism and all that stuff. Lover's Rock is the one that kind of pulls itself out of that. Yeah. And it has the... There's three scenes in it that are all music-based that are the best music-based scenes that I've seen. And the first one is basically revolves around kung fu fighting. Okay. And it's... All it is is a house party. Is it basically from them setting up to the house party to, like, the end. Yeah. And it follows a group of people, but not really entwined, but kind of entwined. Mm -hmm. And there's always, because of the other ones, and you know what the series is about, there's looming in the background that never kind of, it never happens. Mm. But it was just the soundtrack, the way it looks, you're just really immersed in it. Yes. Greg would hate this film because nothing happens. Right. Absolutely nothing happens. Yeah. But you're just there for the journey. Interesting. Which doesn't happen very often. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, just to touch on a movie we already talked about because we were bringing up soundtrack. Oddly enough, Soul was the first movie that um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross scored that I kept forgetting. Like, the score did not stand out to me at all. No. I mean, it's different than their stuff, and that's fine, and I'm okay with... There, there was little things that w- would happen, like some with the jazz stuff every yeah. once in a while. Well, they didn't do the jazz stuff. Oh, so they do. <laughs> so when the soul is in like the the before, yeah, all of that is them. And okay. then the jazz stuff. There's a different guy that wrote all the jazz stuff. Um, See, that's the stuff that like stood out to me more yeah. than anything. But I was because it was the first time that I, I was like, I don't think I need to buy this soundtrack. And they only released it on vinyl, anyways. And I almost oh. bought it sight unseen the other day because I was like, well, I have every other thing that. They've done when they release it physically, yep. and but it was like twenty eight bucks for the vinyl, and because it, it was a picture disc, and I was um, like, I was like, I don't give a fuck about this, and like, 
Disney does a ton of pictures. They do, because I almost bought The Mandalorian at Walmart the other day, but it's not the whole... It's literally one cue from each episode uh, of the first season. And I was like, that 30 bucks for this? That soundtrack... The Mandalorian soundtrack, I don't know if I could sit through it. Yeah, maybe not accompanied by the visuals. <laughs> but yeah, and but yeah, the... Um, and it's, it's good that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are doing... So much scoring, but I'm also like, okay, if it's some, I, I think this is the point where I'm like, all right, I don't need to hear everything that they yeah. do, or I don't need to hear it separate from everything that they, they yep. have done. But so, um, my number three, um, and I had to remind my, or I had to double check that it came out this year because I saw it earlier in the year, but it felt like I'd seen it so long ago because I've had it on home video for like six months. But uh, Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. Yeah, it was, it, it was, I was like, that was like up and down on my list. Like yeah. I kept going and then I'm like, no, it's funny. Cause it's actually on, on FX right now. Mm. So the other day I was just happening. I got up in the morning, I turn on the TV. It's mm. usually my weekend thing. I just got sucked right into yeah. it. I mean, it's, it's I, cause Guy Ritchie kind of went in a lot of different directions for a while. And a lot of it was not great. And it's funny because I actually like the two Sherlock Holmes movies he no, did. No, they're good. Do you know what he did before? The movie right before The Gentleman? Well, he did the, the um, Charlie Hunnam uh, Robin Hood thing, right? No, what did he do right before? Lion King. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it's just, it's, I think if I were to, like, my four favorite, uh, uh, Guy Ritchie movies would be in order Snatch, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Rock and Roll, and then this. Yeah, uh, and it's very similar. Like if, if you like any of those three yeah. movies, you'll like The Gentleman. I would swap The Gentleman and Rock and Roll. I think I liked it a little bit. I think it's probably yeah. it, it's been a few years since I've seen Rock and Roll. Yeah, but, um, it's it's it, you know it's similar. It's 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 the upper crust. Underworld of yeah. London, um, and with an American twist this time, which is yeah unusual. Yeah, but yeah, um, but yeah, it, it was enjoyable. It was funny because I really don't like Charlie Hunnam, but I really liked him in this. He's I I never I, saw him in this TV show. See, that's the thing. Like I saw him most widely in Sons of Anarchy, yeah. and I'm just like, so many people are like oh, that show's great. I'm like that show sucks. Did you ever see Lost City of Z? No, that yeah, it's one of those. It's yeah. on my list of things to see, and that's the thing is like because I, I I mean I remember from Green Street Hooligans and yeah. uh, Undeclared. Um, is Elijah Wood in Green Street Hooligans yeah. too? Okay. Yeah, um, I don't know something when he plays British, I'm fine with him, but yeah. something about when he plays American, but it's just I don't know. Like, <sighs> I think that I only like him when he plays British, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but he was great in that, and I really, really, really like Hugh Grant in it. it was uh, yeah, because it, it's a, because he he he's so swarmy. Yeah, well, and he's made a career playing this like sniveling ah shucks kind of like romantic. Charming, yeah. charming, but I'm like, I never bought into it, and like he plays such a piece of shit in this. He's perfect, but he's great in it. Um, and, and then uh, Colin Farrell's role in this yeah. is like. That's the role he was meant to play. Yeah, for sure. It was. I mean, it's funny because like, if he did not write it for him, I don't know who would have done that. Yeah, it's such a. It's and it's a. It's a smaller part. For, yeah. But it's perfect. 
yeah, it's um, it's probably like as far as like just pure entertain. It was probably the most entertained I've been seeing a movie uh, yeah. so far this year. Uh, yeah, so that was my number three. You already did your two. Yep. My two is Tenet. Okay, uh, which I knew after the second time seeing it because because the first time I saw it, I was like, I think this might be my favorite movie of the year, and then I had to. Take a step back from it. I was like, it's not, but it's probably gonna remain my number two. Does that mean your number one has not changed since like February? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And it's funny because, because I'm pretty sure you know what yeah, it is. I do. Know. And I yeah. and I and I went back and rewatched it like a month ago, and I was like, yep, yep. That's which is weird because usually I don't, and and I and I'm. You know, I don't want to jinx it, but I, I'm fairly certain that Dune would have been in the top ten had that actually come out. My expectations for Dune are so low right now because I went through and watched the original, and then I watched the TV thing. Yeah. And then I'm like, I am not interested in this story whatsoever. So, I I, I understand. Yeah. I, I get it. But for me, it was like, I'm glad. But you haven't seen the trailer, have you? For the Have you seen the trailer? I think I've seen shots of it. Yeah. If I've, I've probably heard the trailer more than I've seen it. Sure. I mean, that's that's what I do. Is right. I don't watch trailers. Right. I listen to them most of the time. Yeah. And that's because... And there's not that much speaking in the trailer. So that could be it, too. I mean, I love the director. Yeah. So, do you... I don't know if we can... I don't know if I should do this. Do you know it's only part one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the, the well, and I knew that, and they were planning because they were supposed to be start filming part two, but Warner Brothers is like holding off. Uh, I don't know if they're going to start shooting like this year or whatnot. Yeah. But, um, Stuff is slowly starting to yeah. film again. So, but no, I knew that, and it was. I knew when they hadn't revealed who Fade was, I was like, oh, I think they're, I'm like, either A, they haven't cast him yet, or yeah, they're keeping it they're a waiting. secret. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I have a sneaking suspicion Fade doesn't even show up in the fir- in this film. Maybe not. Which would kind of be in line with the book, because he doesn't show up until much later. He's just, because so many, because, and they also increased Fade's role in, the um, David Lynch film because it was Sting playing it yeah. and they're like they're like well we have to have like because at the time the dude came out Sting was like arguably the most well known rock star in the world and his I don't know his role in that I I'm not a fan of it it's funny I have a weird love for the film Dune it's a terrible movie yeah. it's a terrible movie um, did you see the documentary Hodorowsky's Dune yeah. So great. Yeah, that's... that's when he talks about seeing David Lynch's film, and he's like, and I was so happy, it's a failure! And I'm just like, "Uh uh-huh. It was fun. I think I told you this, but I started watching Dune, and I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen this. Like, it's one of those things, like, oh, I probably caught it. And I was like, no, I think I've seen scenes of this. And I kept going through, and I'm like, yeah, I definitely haven't seen this. And I'm like, I definitely will never see this again. It's Especially, so... When when it came out, when I was a kid, it was PG thirteen. Yeah, and I was maybe ten, so there was no way in hell I was going to get to see a PG thirteen. I don't movie. even remember it coming out. I remember the toys because there were ads for them in the back of comic books because oh, I was okay. buying comics and I was like, 
this looks cool. I was like, it looks like Star Wars, but weird. And I remember when the figures came out, because they're weird five-inch figures. Yeah. So they're like the size of, like the height of He-Man figures, but they're not like, they don't look like they're trying to take a poop. They're yeah. like standing, but, and they they're also. not like overly muscular. No, but they also have a weird, they all had a button on them that did some sort of action, which was the first time I remember seeing that. Um, that was very common in the 90s, but in the 80s it wasn't. Yeah. And so there was, it's because I have, I think I have, well, I have Fade and then I have Stilgar, um, um, which they're not great action figures, but it's such a it's, unique thing. And they only made six of them because they were supposed to be a second wave, but then the movie tanked. Yeah. So they didn't. So two of them, one is Baron Harkonnen and one is, uh, I can't think of his name, the the nephew, Baron Harkonnen's nephew, that's not Fade. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's, so I was like, in a line of six figures, two of them are these big fat guys. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, and I, and they made a sandworm toy too. Really? Which it's like, it's like 15 inches long and it, the mouth open. It's, it's, they're so hard to find now. Cause like so the, the figures actually fit on the top of it. Um, not well, but it does have a it, it it so it comes with the like staff yeah um and there's a place that it sticks in and then like polytrade is supposed to like just hang on it but um like a like a used one that's working goes for like three hundred bucks yeah because um, they're so rare uh, but and and I love the production design of it but it just it breezes through like hundreds of pages of the book in like 10 minutes. Yeah. And they're just like, so I think this, the Villeneuve film is going to really kind of dig into it, dig into it, which if handled right, could be interesting, but it also could be boring as hell. Yeah. Cause I mean, no pun intended, but Dune is very dry. The TV show is, <sighs> is really long and drawn out and dry. And, yeah, because yeah. I remember talking with someone at work about the movie, and and they're like, "Well, the TV series is a lot better." I'm like, "It's it's more faithful to the book." I wouldn't say better. I was like, "It's just yeah, different." Yeah, I can run real quick. Okay, you can talk among yourself. I'm 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 talking among myself. This is like the annual um, group recording location. We are in Bob's uh, media room. I guess could be described. So, uh, cause I'm, f- my back is to his very impressive vinyl collection. There's probably just looking at it. There's probably 2000 records, uh, all in a, uh, uh, vertical shelf, very sturdy vertical shelf. His records are in a much better, uh, display, display, display than, than mine are at my home. And then he's got his movie box sets on top of a file cabinet uh, on the other side with two Boba Fett helmets. I'm just describing the room that we're oh, in. Oh, that's fine. Um, I'm really on the fence about getting the Mandalorian helmet to, yeah. to put, like, right in the middle. Yeah. Well, and it's and it won't be a repaint because it's basically an all-new helmet. Um, and it, cause it's, it's, it looks different. Yeah. It's slightly taller than Boba Fett's. And it doesn't have, yeah. It wouldn't have the visor thing. It doesn't have the yeah. visor thing. Yeah, it's uh, my thing now. It's so weird because last year, before season two of The Mandalorian came out, they released 
a couple there were a couple of re-releases of of Boba Fett figures from the Black Series, which um, a friend gave me the they did this weird thing with the Black Series uh, in 2019 that I had no interest in, um, which was the carbonized versions. It's, oh yeah, I saw those. They're just like yeah. we, like I don't. There's no explanation on it because I was like, first of all. If you're saying like if it's supposed to be like carbonite like that's not what carbonite looks like. Yeah, it's it's got like a weird metallic sheen to it, and the colors are slightly off. And and they did it with I think eight characters, and like Target got a couple exclusives because like when the first wave of the Mandalorian figures out, there was a carbonized Mandalorian figure, and I was like, I don't want it. Like yeah. I want it to look <laughs> the way it looks in the show because now they're doing a similar thing with they re-released a bunch of the season one Mandalorian figures. Um, with with paint jobs that look like the end credit paintings. Oh yeah, so it's, it's got weird colors. Um, I love those. I I do love those. Um, but they're like, and they're released uh, with a little Beskar uh, thing, <laughs> which I'm just like, they're just they're, I'm getting money out of it. Yeah, I, I'm just yeah. like, you're getting as much money as you can. But someone did gift me with the carbonized. Boba Fett figure, yeah, and so I was just like, oh, I like Boba Fett, and because I wasn't looking for it myself, yeah, even though it's kind of a rare figure now, because I just don't care. Um, but I was like, I can't really say no to uh, another Boba Fett figure. And somebody had also earlier in the year had gifted me the re-release of the Black Series that's on a card instead of in their normal yeah. packaging, and I was like, because I because they're re-releasing him again this year. And I thought it was that one. And I was like, cool. And then I got home and I was like, no, this is literally the exact figure I have. It's just in a different package. <laughs> because I'm an opener, yeah. I left that one in the package because it, it mimics his original uh, the original Kenner card. package. It's yeah. just bigger. So I was like, well, this that's, is, cool. that's cool to me. Um, and I opened the carbonized one, but I kept the package because the package is the nicest thing about it. Yeah. So I have that on my wall as well. But it's just like I was like, well, now that he has a new uniform in the Mandalorian, there's going to be a whole bunch yeah. more Boba Fett figures coming out. I never noticed the the light on his chest before. It's I've never seen it lit up before. Yeah. Um, and I didn't delve too deep into the older films, but yeah, it definitely I, I noticed it because I did a couple. The Boba Fett paintings. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's weird because there's a couple shots of his shoulder, too, that also don't have the Bantha skull emblem on it. Yeah. Which has, like, been utilized as his symbol. But I also wonder if they're going to tie Maz into either the Book of Boba Fett or The yeah. Mandalorian because you do see the Bantha skull banner at her castle in yeah. The Force Awakens. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. So what's your number one? So my number one, after all that, right? Yeah, get back to it. Um, the climb. I, I, you've probably saw the trailers for this. This is a weird, like, little film that I saw the trailers forever for it. It's the two guys. They're on bikes, and one guy says, "Oh, I slept with your with yeah, your yeah, fiance," yeah. and the other one. I didn't like, realize that was out. Yeah. Yeah, it came out. It came and went. It was really quick. It's uh, an indie film. Yeah, it is an indie film. Uh, it's so unlike anything I've yeah. ever seen. I mean, it's just like, it's kind of like a buddy comedy, but it's not. Because yeah. they, they they have a love-hate relationship with themselves. And like whenever one of the guys comes in, he just like completely blows up the other guy's life. But that guy doesn't see it. And yeah. then the, it's just, 
It's the funniest thing I've I saw this year. I when I saw the trailer, I was like, this reminds me of like a Duplass Brothers sort it's, of thing. It's better than a Duplass yeah. Brothers thing. I mean, I love the Duplass Brothers, but yeah. this is like this comedy is it's just better. It was more well done. Yeah. The cinematography is mostly like one shots. That's what it looked like from the trailer. Yeah. Like the there's a lot of whenever there's really dynamic stuff, it's pretty much a one shot. There's one it what is there? There's basically four different like set pieces. Yeah. And each one of them starts with like this really long camera take where it's like going around the house and all this and like it, it's just I was laughing my ass off and it it's also like really poignant and then yeah. towards the end you get to something where it's like this isn't going to happen and it's like all right it doesn't happen it did it this way and then the ending was just like it was perfect it was it was like the best thing i saw this year nice yeah. nice uh so my number one i think i saw in february is uh gretel and hansel um did you see that yeah yeah i saw um, it. yeah and it's weird because so much of my love for it is not actually like you know, as Greg would put, what happens in the film? It's visual, right? It's, yeah, it's so visual because almost every frame of it looks like a painting. Yep. Um, and it's so like I mean, and and it was one of those things when I when it came out. This was pre-pandemic. I was telling people, I was like, if you're thinking about seeing it, you got to see it in the theater yep. because they feel every every corner of the frame with so much detail. Like the production design on that film was just insane, but also the fact that it's and. The reason the title's changed from the fairy tale because it's really about it's her her, her yeah. tale, but it also ties it in with just kind of how our society is uncomfortable with you know female power, female sexuality, yeah. um, you know, especially during that time. During that time, but you know, tying it in with magic and yeah. um, it was just, I mean, it just really hit me in a just such a artistic way, and it was weird because. I left there and I was like, I was like, that was that I just witnessed something yeah. that, you know, and, and I wasn't, exp- cause I remember seeing the preview it, it, late last year and I was like, this is probably going to be a kind of a cheesy horror movie. I was, I was blown away after I saw it. Right. I mean, it's not as high for me. Yeah. What you're describing is what I had for midsummer last year. Sure. It, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't expecting that. And I know you're not a huge horror guy either. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it was more eerie than actually scary. Yeah, gothic. Um, yeah, it's definitely yeah. gothic, but it definitely, it, it did justice to the fairy tale. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It was funny because around Halloween this year, it got repackaged on home video with <laughs> with the witch's face in, like, glow-in-the-dark green. And I was like, this is not this movie at all. But I'm sure sell. that, like, well, it's funny because now the DVD is 5 bucks at Walmart and the Blu-ray is seven ninety seven at Walmart. And yeah. I was like, this movie came out. Ten months ago, it, the turnaround time has been ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, with this stuff, even like getting it over to Netflix or Redbox. Redbox yep. has been really quick. Yep. The other thing too that I noticed within the last couple of weeks is um, Amazon usually has like early stuff. Yep. I saw a couple of things, and usually they're like ten, fifteen bucks. Now they're dropping them down to like seven bucks, yep. which. I know some people will think that's expensive for like a one through, but if it's something that I want to see and I can't see it anywhere yeah, else, pay for it. Yeah, yeah. And it's a rental, but right. 
it's cheaper than $10, and then it's not like the $20 that they tried doing with Milan or whatever right. that was. Yeah, it, Mulan was actually $30. Yeah, which I never understood, Yeah, especially after I saw it. Right. Well, I still haven't seen it, and that was one of those ones I was like, am I going to try and get through it on Disney Plus? I was like, doesn't matter. I know it's not going to be in my top ten. I'll yeah. see it eventually, but... Um, and I have the benefit because I know a lot of people compared it to the original, but I, I've never seen the animated Mulan, so I'll uh, watch that, and then if I like it, maybe I'll go and watch the animated one. But yeah, it's, the animated one isn't one of my favorites, but yeah. it's one of the Disney animated movies I haven't seen that people keep telling me I need to see is The Emperor's New Groove, and because that was, one's fun. There's like there's like a probably a six or seven year time in Disney that I just didn't see any of them because. None of my siblings were, they were like yeah. too old to see it. And, you know, I didn't know anyone with kids. I was watching them at the time. So it was just kind of, it was like the late 90s, that early was, 2000s. Yeah, that was the time that my my brothers and sisters were seeing them. Yeah. So they saw them. But then I also went back and rewatched all of them from yeah. the beginning a couple of years ago. Yeah. And some of them definitely, like, I love The Little Mermaid. That's probably my, mm-hmm. my favorite recent one. I'm uh, going to, I'm. Because I'm part of the Disney Video Club, yeah. whatever, which, because I signed up for it a couple of years ago, bought stuff, and I've long since completed the the requirement. Yeah. And I've thought about quitting a couple times, and they keep sending me stuff to be like, hey, re up, and you can get this stuff. But I was like, I don't need many of these. But there was a thing this, this month that it's like, buy two or more of these movies, and they're $10 a piece. So I'm going to, because somebody stole my copy of Robin Hood, which is my favorite Disney yeah. movie. Uh, and one that I haven't seen in forever, but I was like, yeah, for 10 bucks, it's fine. I'm going to get the great mouse detective, which I remembered liking as a kid. I don't know how well it's going to hold up. It's not, it wasn't bad. The best thing is like Vincent Price's. Right. The, well, yeah. that was, did you know that that's the first anime Disney film where they use computers? For yeah. The, like the scene in the, in the clock tower. Yep. Yeah. It was also, what a, they never mentioned anything, but it's like a, because it's basically Sherlock Holmes, right? And they never <laughs> mention it because it, they didn't want to get sued, right? Because yeah. they didn't have the rights. Yeah. Um, oh, the cat's been up there. Sorry. Interestingly, <laughs> so you've seen the film Young Sherlock Holmes, right? Yeah, that's the very first very, one. Digital effect with a, with a digital character, which yeah. is the stained glass night yeah. when he comes down. I wish I could find that on home video. Like it came out on DVD in the early nineties. Yeah. And it has never gotten a Blu-ray release, and it's long out of print on DVD. But I wonder why, because that's Spielberg. It's Spielberg, but it was also Disney. But it was, or it wasn't Disney. It was Buena Vista. Yeah. And a lot of their catalog has changed over the years, oh. like ownership. Um, Can so, you even see it on? Uh, it's not on Disney Plus oh. because Disney no longer has the Buena Vista. Uh, no, they have Buena Vista, but some of their live-action stuff has gone into. Like different distributors in different countries. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that was our top ten for the weirdest. Yeah. Year in movies that I can remember. So I I did a thing where like the last movie I saw in mm-hmm. the theater before they opened was like three fourteen, mm-hmm. and then I saw a couple in the drive-in like yeah. in the between, but the next movie was like in August, so it was five months. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever. Not that long. Yeah. I, I Even when they reopened, I looked back and I was like, almost everything I saw in the theater after March 
was an old movie that I had already seen. Yeah. Because they were playing most. I, I mean, I saw way more. Because in, in a typical year, I'd probably see three or four older movies yep. in the theater. Um, there were a couple things that I had never seen in the theater before that I saw in the theater this year for the first time. Um, that was definitely. I didn't see as many as you did, but yeah. it was definitely interesting to see them do that and they're still doing it a little bit i think that's going to change i think once theaters reopen i think one of the ways they're gonna try and like make money is do a lot of classic but it's funny some of the stuff that they were calling clap like the fact that sonic the hedgehog was put out as a classics <laughs> re- i was like this movie came out like nine months ago yeah they re they re-released a lot of the stuff that like they did that with onward too yeah they re-released yeah. a couple of things that because they could I saw, I saw The Empire Strikes Back twice in the theater this yeah, year. I saw it once at the drive-in. So did I. Yeah. I didn't see it again in the theater. The thing, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the thing about Disney Plus and The Mandalorian that scares me a little is the way they keep tweaking stuff. So they only they only do it when, well, I think people only notice when they do it. Like, the, I don't, you probably heard about, like, the Blue Jeans guy. Yeah. So... They did, found, they ta- did they take it out? Yeah, they found out about it, so they went back and took it out. And yeah. then now at the end of Mandalorian, it it's like an homage. It, it says, uh, in honor of the original Boba Fett. I'm just curious, like, how much they tweak stuff. Without like, ever... Without people ever yeah. noticing it. Well, when, when... So when the original Star Wars trilogy first popped up on Disney+, Plus, they had changed it again from the last time that Lucas tweaked it. The biggest thing being... The McClunky thing. I don't. So it's the Han Greedo scene. Yeah. Before Greedo gets shot, he says McClunky, which people are like, "What the fuck is that?" And there's no homage to that in season two of The Mandalorian, where The Mandalorian says that at one point. So they're like, "It's supposed to be a weird like swear or whatnot." Um, there, I forget what the phrase is that they've used in The Mandalorian a couple times, but it's uh, it's supposed to be a swear in the Star Wars universe. It's it's a two-word thing. It's like... I didn't realize the Mandalorian actually has a name and it's not Mando. Yeah, it's Din Jarden. Yeah. yeah. Like, are they ever going to call him? He, he, did, he did say it in the first season. Did he? Yeah. Um, well, it's funny. I, so I did a painting of the Mandalorian last week, and it's sort of an homage to that, which because I called the painting uh, Sunset Sobriquette, which... So a Sobriquette is a... Nickname that's not, it's typically, it, it's a descriptive nickname yeah. that's more commonly used than the person's actual name. Yeah. But it's not like, it's not like Steve or something like that, but it would be like. It's like Slim. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's oftentimes the person doesn't like it, but it's yeah. attached to them so much because it's like, because everyone calls him Mando. Yeah. Um, which that actually really annoys me. I was just like, I know it annoys Yeah. It still annoys me that they call him Baby Yoda, even though he has a name. Yeah. And but, uh, that will forever annoy me. They, my feeling on that is they waited too long to reveal Grogu. Like, if yeah. they had done it in, like, the, first, the last episode of the first season, it would have been fine. But yeah. I was like, they waited until, I think it was 13 episodes in. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, there's already been yeah. stuff out there. I know they tried the child and all that stuff, but there's yeah. a meme out there that's great that says, yes, I know it's not. I know Yoda's dead. Yes, I, I know there's no species name for Yoda. Yeah. And this is a little guy. So, yes, he is look, he is baby Yoda. To me. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I get it, but it still annoys the crap. Yeah, it still annoys the crap out of me, too. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and that's the thing too is like you know being being a nerd who you know obviously collects a lot of Star Wars memorabilia, specifically toys, because they try and keep so many things a secret. It's like a year delayed for after a season comes out before, because they don't want any of the the stuff getting leaked. Yeah, um, what it is, but you know. it is one of those. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. so yeah, this will be the beginning of. I think this is the fifth season of. For the love of film, so yeah. you should post more. But, but, yeah, well, that's it, it. Was sort of like honestly, because I've had a lot of people ask me about yeah. it. I think part of me was just it was like I get depressed every time I yeah I try and that. put it yeah. together because I was just like I haven't seen anything. But I think because the the flip side of that is I've watched more movies on home video, like rewatched oh, stuff yeah. that I've liked. It's funny because it's been I've been uh, I've actually thinned out my home video call not a ton but I've gotten rid of some stuff that I've had for forever that I'm yeah. like I love this movie and I'm like I haven't actually watched it in ten years and I'm like well this isn't actually that good yeah um, I need to do that with that but it's funny because um, I just rewatched Pitch Black the yeah. other day and I was like this actually holds up way better than I expected it to be like even the CG effects that don't look great don't look that bad. Did you watch it on your phone? No, I, oh, okay. No, 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 because no, no, no. I, I hadn't owned it in years, and because Bull Moose has like a back, the ports with back, like the back room is all yeah. super cheap stuff. It used to be just cassettes. They basically went through and like everything that's like a dollar ninety seven or ninety seven cents just goes in there. So every time I go in there, I'm just like, I was like, well, I'm getting this. This is. Uh, twelve ninety seven. So I was like, I'm gonna spend fifteen dollars. So let me find, you know, either yeah. two CDs or one movie. And so I grabbed that. But I also grabbed uh, Sin City, which I'm about halfway through. And I was just like, Ugh. I can't imagine that holds up. Well, visually, it it's still cool, but it's I was just like, it's so fucked up. Like how like basically all the female characters are all one dimensional. I was like, literally. Every woman in this is like mostly nude or yeah. just like in these just like completely revealing costs. And they're all either bartenders or, or prostitutes or strippers. Stripper. Yeah. Um, but it's also like every single character is like, hey, Dame. Blah, blah. I mean, and I know it's supposed to be stylized, but yeah. I'm just like, it's so because there's no way they could even stylized get away with making that movie now. Now. 15 years later. And the second one's not very good. Either. The second one's terrible. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm about halfway through. I just finished with the uh, the part where they no. Well, I've gotten through the part where he kills Elijah Wood and Rutger yeah. Hauer. I forget which one. I I think I'm like halfway through Bruce Willis's story. No, I've just got to the one where like Jackie Benicio del Toro's beating up Brittany Murphy. Oh, okay. It's also oh, weird going through it. I was like. In the opening credits, I'm like, well, that person's dead now. That person's dead now. That person's dead now. That's weird. And I forget who replaced Clive Owen in the second one. I want to know why Clive Owen didn't do the second one. Was it Vinnie Jones? No. It was someone else. I don't remember, but I'll never watch the second one again. It was so awful. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. And it was one of those things that it was like, it's so funny because Frank Miller has like. He doesn't like anything. What's that? He doesn't like anything that gets made of his, right? No, no, that's um, Alan oh, Moore that you're yeah. thinking of. No, because Frank Miller actually co-directed it. Um, I don't know how much he actually co-directed, but Robert Rodriguez insisted on him getting co-directing credit. But no, uh, Frank Miller is like put up on such a pedestal 
in the comic world, I think it's more because he wrote the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. He also wrote Batman Year One. Um, but he did another one too, wasn't he? He did three hundred. Um, yeah. he's done a lot of stuff. He did uh, Ronin. He did a lot of stuff, but like people also forget, he wrote RoboCop three. Like he's <laughs> like, and I don't know. So much of what made Sin City groundbreaking at the time was like not the movie, but the comic book is like the visual the style. style. Yeah. And it's been done so much since then. It's not that very... that it's just like, uh, yeah, yep, but. I'll still finish it. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you.